0: They must be working, or at least your mic is working. Good evening, and welcome to Lost in the Long Box, as Thomas, right out the gate, has technical difficulties. Today is Wednesday, January 16th, 2019. Uh, by the way, uh, guys, if you're looking for our first episode from last uh, from this year, uh, it is not up yet, and that is my fault there was a miscommunication between myself and the producers here at FXBG Public Radio, so it should be out there uh, probably tomorrow, so you'll get two episodes for the price of one. Which is really good because last episode sucked. Just kidding. Yeah. Right. So now that we are back, Thomas Madman, how are you guys doing? All right. Uh, doing pretty good. How was? Explain. I was asking you how the weekend is, but I'm not going to because we're on the East Coast and we got uh, half a foot of snow. So, or, uh, yeah, half a foot of snow. So I know everybody's weekend sucked. Hey, it wasn't <laughs> so bad because yeah. we are out what have you. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get to this right off the gate, uh, right off the gate, because we have a lot to cover tonight. Uh, Madman, pay some bills. Alrighty.
1: uh, Lost in the Long Box is sponsored by Danny's Pizza and Subs. Check out Danny'sPizzaAndSubs.com. Their hours are Monday through Thursday, 11 to 9 p.m. And Friday and Saturday from 11 to 10 p.m. And on Sunday, they're open noon to 8 p.m. You can reach them at 898-5008. They always have buy one, get one free Pizzas with a limited delivery area of five miles. So give them a call. That's and dot com eight nine eight five zero zero eight.
0: And who doesn't love pizza, love right? Uh, you know, I actually was thinking about it a while back. I could live off pizza, and I and I yeah, have. Me too. <laughs> I have lived off pizza back when I was single, and I had my two roommates. One of them was a delivery driver for another pizza company that I won't name, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, the big one that looks like the little square tile. Um, but because of, and I don't know if you guys know this, I don't know if, if Madman's Place does this, but I know a couple of them. If you screw up the pizza order, you have to eat that up and get rid of it. So he's, uh, yeah. he was always bringing home pizza.
2: Yeah. There so. you go. Yep. Good stuff.
0: All right. So what do we got news and noteworthy that happened over the last week in the comic book world? Uh, let's get to the sad ones first. Get those out the way. Ron Smith, longtime artist of Judge Dredd, passed away. Oh, it's a shame. Didn't realize this. He had started doing guess, in 1979 and illustrated off and on until 1995. So he, wow, had, he impressive. Had, a, had a long run there. Yes. Um, Bash Latin. I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. Batten Lash, <laughs> the creator of Supernatural Law, just recently passed away also. Which I didn't realize this, but Supernatural Law started as, I guess, a paper strip, like a newspaper strip called Wolf and Bird, Counselors of the Macabre. And then him and his wife formed Exhibit A Press to publish that. But and and here's where you guys will, will, will like this. He apparently for a while did a stint on Bongo Comics doing Radioactive Man.
2: Oh yeah, there we go. And
0: Archie meets the Punisher. Dun, ta-da.
2: Dun, ta-da. <laughs>
0: so a couple of our uh, greats for the comic industry are gone with us. Rest in peace, guys. Thank you for everything you've done.
2: Definitely, definitely. Yeah.
0: Um, Brian Michael Bendis, you know, he's now over at DC Comics mm-hmm. and currently butchering, um, I mean, tackling the, the writing towards on Superman and Action Comics. You know, he's also starting a teen's uh, imprint called Wonder Comics, right? I've heard of that, yes. So in the Wonder Comics line, he's going to be bringing back Young Justice, which everybody's excited for. But he's also doing a couple of new things. Um, Naomi is one. He's also... He's not doing all of these, by the way. This is just the imprint line that he's starting. But they're also going to be a new series for the Wonder Twins. Oh, and, yes.
2: I might have to check that out. Right. Wonder Boy.
0: Twins, Naomi, um, Doll H for Hero. I don't know if you remember the Doll H for Hero. I oh, used yeah. to actually love that back in the 80s. Yeah. But he has recently tweeted a picture of the Legion of Superheroes um, on his Twitter. And I believe it came out of a 1995 Legion comic. And he just said, "On just need to leave this here. So we think we're going to be getting a new iteration of the Legion of Superheroes
2: in am Comics. I'm in if it includes Matter Eater Lad. <laughs> the the
0: picture, if you look at it, it's, it looks like it's everyone who's ever been a Legionnaire.
2: Oh, there you go. So, so th- that's pretty cool. But but you know the potential for Matter Eater Lad is just off the charts. Right, exactly. Just off the charts. He can eat anything. I mean, I know. What, what a great power. Yeah. Well,
0: th- I, I saw one too. And I can't believe this. And I want to say he made it to the Legion of Substitute Heroes. That he didn't cut the mustard for the regular team. Fall off farm boy. Oh
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just like okay, what were you smoking the day you came up with Fall off Farm Boy? I don't know. That's a good question. I'm sure it was probably in the '70s. So probably some pretty good stuff. Right. Well, you remember who was it? Jim Shooter
0: started writing that strip at one that comic at the age of 13 at one point. Right.
2: So that explains a bunch of it. Right.
0: Okay, so other news, noteworthy items. Spider-Man Far From Home trailer dropped yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I,
2: I, I have not seen the trailer yet, but I've seen a lot of chatter about Amazing Spider-Man 212, the first appearance of Hydro-Man. Right. People are uh, clamoring for that right now. I'm not quite sure why. Well, the one but,
0: that I think you know. needs to start um, going up that people are going to start looking for is the first appearance of Mysterio.
2: It, because yeah. in the trailer, you straight up see Mysterio. Well, we knew he was going to be the villain. Jake Gyllenhaal playing him. And and in
0: the uh, I can tell you in the previews the costume looked really good so
2: yeah well that that's good to hear I saw on um one of the uh, Facebook pages that that I'm that we're both a member of someone recently paid four hundred and sixteen dollars for a Marvel Tales reprint of the first appearance yes. of the stereo I don't know if they should have done that but you know I guess if you're happy with your purchase go for it right exactly um, so let's see oh because it is Wednesday it is New
0: Comic Book Day. Um, so some of the stuff that came out, now guys, I am not going to go down every title that came out today. I'm just going to point out some of the ones, um, if you're out there buying and collecting, that you might want to know came out. Batman Who Laughs number no. 2 came out today. Catwoman number no. 7 by Joel Jones, which I would freely admit I am reading it. That's a really uh, well-done book right now. Detective Comics 996, doing that countdown to Issue 1000, which yeah. is probably going to drop in March. Um, Supergirl 26. The Stanley Art Drum Lowell cover on it is just beautiful. She's in her classic 70s outfit, and she's holding Streaky. There you go. Or not Streaky, Comet. Who Comet. Was Comet the cat, and Streaky was the... I don't know. Someone should Google that. <laughs> the cat? The cat. I think the cat might have been Streaky, I think and, you're co- right. and Comet was a super horse. Yeah, Comet yeah, was Comet a horse, because we talked yeah. about a horse yeah.
2: on an earlier right. episode of Lost in the And
0: I can not tell you... Um, I just noticed that Sideshow Collectibles have been advertising a lot of their statues like crazy lately. There's also going to be a statue of Supergirl 26 that came out today. It is a beautiful cover. and I, I might add, it is really well written. I wasn't reading Supergirl originally, but they have actually picked up the story of Rogozal from Action Comics with Brian Michael Bendis. And she has gone off into space to get answers as to whether or not he actually was the, uh, the destructor of Krypton. So that alone started making it a good read. So if you're not picking up Supergirl, I I think that's only three or four issues in on that arc now. So I would say pick that up. Marvel, Black Widow number one dropped out or came out. Sorry. Mm. One that I haven't yet to figure out. Supposedly Dead Man Logan number one was to come out today. I'm going to be honest. I have no clue
2: what that is. I don't yeah, I remember either, the
0: solicitations for it.
2: It kind of makes it sound like they're going to kill him off again. I don't think they're going to do that, but...
0: Or it's tied into how they're bringing him back, which I thought that's what old man Logan was supposed to be doing. Well, but I thought he was already back. Wasn't he already Who knows? Back? I, don't I don't know. know.
2: I haven't been following Marvel, so, you I, know, I, I claim ignorance.
0: You know, I need to read a little more Marvel, Marvel, but I will get into why I don't here lately, which reminds me, I, I thought a piece of homework I was supposed to do today, damn it, and I
2: forgot. Uh, okay, Invaders number one came out. And now, you that could get me into Marvel. I do love me the Invaders.
0: Well, remember, they did those four-issue series uh, one-shots with, like, Hulk and Doctor Strange and Prince Naboor and what have you. FF number six. The issue right after the wedding issue is coming out today. I didn't realize, also, Marvel Comic Presents number one, so it looks like Marvel's resurrected that title. And it looks like, just like previous before, it's Wolverine team-ups. Wow. Something <laughs> new and unique from the House of Ideas. There yes, I'm go. being I, sarcastic. I'm <laughs>
2: kind of surprised they brought that one back. It seems like one of those deals that, you know, it's time is over. It's
0: one of those books like, who, who missed it? Um, also, and this is the one you guys should be excited about, which means I should hopefully be getting my copy in the mail in a few weeks because that's one that I kept with my mail order What If Classics Trade Paperback Volume 1 came out today pretty cool and that's the one where they're reprinting all the 70s uh, What If starting with Issue 1 and I think they're going to go through the whole series
2: yeah I've been reading a lot of stuff on Marvel Unlimited I'm up to 1977 so What If Number 1 will come out I'll read that later uh, in the month probably
0: yes Um, So I also brought in the previews because I got mine from my uh, mail-order retailer. Some of my books I don't buy directly in the store. I have a mail-order service that sends them to me just to make sure I don't miss some. because some of the other publishers, like, say, Boom or or Image, if your local comic shop is only getting so many copies of it, depending on what time you get there, you've missed it. (laughs) But I'll let you guys take a look at this. Some of the things I've noticed that are coming out in March that look pretty interesting, there's... Two of them coming from Dark Horse Comics. Now, Dark Horse, for those you don't know, a lot of their claim to fame was licensed properties. So they were doing like Aliens, Star Wars, Terminators, a bunch of things of that nature. It looks like they're starting to branch out a little bit because in April, they're putting out a book called Girl in the Bay. Issue number one is dropping in April, and issue two will be dropping in March. But what I like about this, the whole premise is a young girl is brutally murdered in... Um, Head Bay in Brooklyn and as she wakes up 50 years later and emerges from the, the bay not realizing that she had essentially been killed and that the world has moved on without her and They believe her to be dead. Huh. So that looks pretty good. The other one that's coming out is one called invisible kingdoms I'm, sorry invisible kingdom number one It's another sci-fi epic. It's actually going to be about two women one who is a A spider pilot and another one who's like a religious acolyte for the uh, religious faction at the time And they both find themselves having to suddenly work together against the one big world government That's not what they claim to be. So that looks like it might be pretty interesting The other one that's going to be coming out in March, and I actually saw this and went, huh Apparently there is a series called Elfin Lied There's a volume one trade paperback coming out from Dark Horse in March and according to the solicitation, is it the Duffer Brothers from Stranger Things? Cite this as their inspiration for Stranger Things. Uh, D- Duffer Brothers? Duffer Brothers, Duffer yes. Brothers, yeah. Duffer, Duffer, whatever. The Duffer Brothers. I Duffer. don't know. I don't know how it's pronounced. Duffer sounds too much like Fluffer. So And we won't go into Fluffer. No, no need to. But yes, that might if you're a fan of Stranger Things, it might be interesting to pick that up just to see what it was that uh, led him to create Stranger Things. I can tell you, reading part of the description, I just kind of nodded my head and went, oh yeah, this is Stranger Things. Dynamite Comics, you're going to love this one, Mad Men. Dynamite Comics, who's been doing a lot of the 70s properties, so I know they're doing Battlestar Galactica Classic, and they've done some Barbarella stuff and Vampirilla, and now they're currently doing a Vampirilla Deja Thoris uh, thing. Uh, a book, they have announced Six Million Dollar Man Number One. Ooh. And the, the thing that's going to be really great about this is apparently he goes on a mission in Japan and his parts start to break down. And he
2: finds out that he can't get as much for his six million dollars as he once could. So <laughs> I wonder what the, uh, the, the cost of the six million dollar man would be these days, you know, adjusted for inflation. Somebody has once done it and it, it runs into the billions. Had done like the whole cost analysis. That's crazy. We can rebuild him. We can make him stronger, faster,
0: better. We have the technology. Yes. Another one that Boom Studios is putting out, especially if you're a big fan of Firefly. uh, Boom actually did some Firefly miniseries back in a while. I think Dark Horse even did a couple of them, too. Yeah,
2: Dark Horse is what I'm familiar with.
0: But Boom is putting out one called Firefly Bad Company Number 1, and you're going to love this one. It's the story of Saffron. Oh, yeah. So everyone who remembers our Mrs. Reynolds episode oh, loves yeah. that one. And, of course, the one later on where Yo Safbridge, because she had three names, Yolanda Saffron and Bridget mm-hmm. shows up. Mm-hmm. So that, if you're a fan of Firefly, that ought to be an interesting read. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's written by Whedon, so. Oh, well. Oh, well. I mean, there are other people that can write, you know, the characters as well, too. But Whedon yeah. just seemed to have that touch with his characterization.
2: Well, since he created them, you know.
0: Right. Uh, a bunch of the Marvel stuff that we just talked about last week. So, The Ghost Rider Destroys the Marvel Universe is coming out in March. The War of the Realms is going to be running in the Avengers books through Avengers, Thor, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Spider-Man 17 Hunted is going to drop. Spider-Man Life Story, the one I was telling you about where it's actually going to age in real time and go through the decades, is going to drop in March. So, that should be pretty good. You fans of the Kamala Khan Miss Marvel, the Magnificent Miss Marvel News Series, number one, is going to drop as well. Because you're not Marvel unless you're constantly renumbering. and
2: (laughs) Oh, you got to. Even when you say that we're not going to do that anymore.
0: (laughs) Right. Which is part of our conversation later on, too, is about all the reboots. So that's uh, what I have coming out for March. That looks pretty good. So now that I have gone through that list, uh, gentlemen, I have brought the previews uh, that I received. DC and Marvel are now doing their own preview supplement that goes with the regular previews. Um, and when I got it, my carrier actually said that DC didn't send it to him this time. They'll get it later, which will probably be too late. So for you listeners out there, anyone who wants to get back into comics, or you've been out of it for a while, but you don't know where to start, your local comic shop has this great magazine called Previews, and it will list every comic book coming out by every company out there, with, with the exception of, like I said, Marvel and DC because they're doing their own now. But even the previews will mention some of the DC stuff. And if your comic shop is getting the Diamond Comics previews, they will be getting the Marvel and DC one as well because they're printed together and all shipped together. It also will include a big section for superhero apparel, superhero toys, statues. It's a great book. It usually runs, I think, $3.99 or $4.99. But if you actually have a pull box at your local comic shop, it's... Primarily always thrown in free. I have yet to meet one that charges you for it. If you have a subscription there There you go also really quickly here uh, a few episodes ago We mentioned a friend of lost in the long box here artist Monte Michael Moore and Recommended his website to look at his artwork that he does not just comic book and fantastic art But he also does art for like uh, American landscapes and Native American scenery Right now, if you are in the Arizona area, he is at the Arizona Fine Art Expo, which is actually running through March 24th, so stop on by there, look at some of his art. I know it's primarily going to be his Native American and and wildlife art, but he might have some of his fantasy comic art uh, back there, too. If you want to check out more information of that, they are at ArizonaFineArtExpo.com, and if you want to check out Monty's work, there is www.mavarts.com, which is his regular comic and fantasy themed artwork. If you want to see his wildlife and his Native American, he has a beautiful um, Lonesome Dove inspired piece with Augustus and uh, Mac- August- Augustus Cray and damn it, what's the other? cow? Anyway, he's got a great um, Lonesome Dove piece. You can see that stuff at theartofmontemore.com, and it's M-O-N-T-E-M-O-R-E.com, so artofmontemore.com. Again, if you go to the Arizona Fine Arts Expo, take a look at his work, buy something, support him, and let him know Lost in a Long Box uh, sent you out there. All righty. So tonight we are going to touch on a topic that, for some of us old-timers, is starting to really arc at us, and that is the fact that back in the mid-'90s, there was a huge crash of the comic book marketplace and some of us think we might be headed that way again uh, Thomas, since this is the soapbox you've been waiting to hop up on, <laughs>
2: yeah. go ahead and take it. Well, remember back – I'm sure you remember back in the 90s, the big crash when Marvel declared had to declare bankruptcy. Oh, yeah. All the speculators coming in, all the variant covers, the foil covers, the hologram covers, <coughs> the special reboots, the this number one, that number one, and everything. Print runs were running crazy and running wild, and everyone was buying comics thinking that they were going to retire off <coughs> them or send their kids to college. Right. Right. I can see that happening again with the variant covers. I I don't understand the variant covers. I don't understand why the first issue of Conan needs 45 covers. Now, is it, you know what? I was
0: gonna say, is it actually forty-seven covers? But I saw something online today. It was pretty high. We, we talked showed, about it on earlier episode. it showed episode Conan you number were out. one, and it was literally a, a chart with all the different covers on it.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that, I, it, it was pretty high. When we, when you were out on vacation, I we briefly touched on it on on Madman. And I briefly touched on it, you know, because it was something that you know I just I don't understand, you know. And what I don't get is some of these covers are you know one for 500, one for a thousand, and they sell for. Ridiculous amounts of money, and they're just rare for the sake of being rare. I mean, you're not getting anything for them, people. You're just not.
0: Well, there. Here's here's the kicker. Their their dealer incentives. I kind of get what they're doing. Is they're trying to bring business into the comic shop because they know that okay, if your dealer orders 100 issues of this thing, we're going to send them this one special cover, which they can immediately bag and board put behind the glass and, and raised to a price of two or three hundred because there's only so many printed. The problem is the fact that your dealer has to order hundred copies of the regular one to get it. <laughs> right. And are they gonna
2: be able to sell it? And that's right. not sustainable for a lot of a lot of dealerships. And you know and some of the more expensive ones, the one for a thousand and stuff like that, you're only gonna get those through places like Midtown Comics or, you know, the online registers, because there's no way a local comic store is going to sell
0: that. Right. And and I can tell you, most any local comic store that can order 100 copies to get that variant cover, if you go in there six months later, they probably still got 60 of those things left.
2: Right. Oh, no doubt. And, you know, it, it's, it's hurting them. And, you know, it's just, like I said, what are you getting with them? I mean, when you get an issue of, of Spider-Man 5 variant cover, what did you get? You got Spider-Man 5. You probably paid 30 or 40 bucks for Spider-Man 5 that doesn't introduce any new character for long term, doesn't really have any great stuff as far as the storyline goes. A great example is months back, a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive cover of an X-Men, I believe it was 501, sold in a really high grade. It was like a 9.8 for like $11,000. My goodness. <laughs> right. And it was it was you know an X-Men number 501 here. And let me call it up here because I still have it here. It was X-Men Volume 1, number 501. It was the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. There was no major first appearance in it. It was like part two of the storyline. Part, part two of the All Tomorrows and SFX SF part two. I have the actual non-variant version at home because I was collecting X-Men at the time. This is one of the things that happens in it. The Beast says, I need eggs, Scott, not Hot Pockets. I don't even know what a Hot Pocket is. I don't want to know. Don't make me learn about Hot Pockets, Scott. Now, that's wow. funny. Yeah. That's funny it's not $11,000 for 9.8 funny. Yeah. But it's funny. So I will give you that. But it's just, you know, why? I understand the book's rare, but it it doesn't do anything. Wouldn't you rather spend that money on a copy of, I don't know, Detective, what is it, 254, the first appearance of the Martian Manhunter? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean wouldn't wouldn't you I mean I guess if you have everything that you could possibly get that's, you know, high grade and, you know, a major key, you might want to move on to something like that. But well, I know. think, I
1: think the 90s taught me at least that, you know, you know, like no new comic that's ever going to be printed is really going to be worth anything again. You know, all the right com- Yeah. The, the reason why the golden age and the silver age are so valuable is because you know they are so rare. There were, you know, especially during the war, there were paper drives and stuff like that, right? They got recycled, yeah. And it, and it was up until I think the end of the silver ages when people actually started collecting comic books. And so, um, and then after the 90s, people are like, Well, I think all the comic books that are ever going to go up in value. Are, have been printed in the golden and silver ages.
2: Well, I think one of the, the big speculator boom of the, of the 90s that, that caused a lot of the huge print runs and stuff like that, I think it really started with Superman 75. Well,
0: hang on. Superman 75 was the big speculator and it is a direct callus of the crash. But the one big one that a lot of people agree really kicked off the whole death of the comic industry was the ill-fated... Um, Deathmate storyline Oh yeah That Image and Valiant did So the big problem was Image was already known For shipping late And, and oh, not yeah. meeting they deadlines They be
2: time To save their life
0: So when they started Doing Deathmate Valiant launched Theirs on time I think it was Four issues of the series Four issues yeah They were different They were
2: coded by they different were, colors it was like right, black Silver gold like, They
0: right, red, gold, black, yeah. silver Whatever Yeah So here's the problem Valiant did theirs on time Great Not a problem Image Of course was late again and then one of the ones that ran late was Deathmate Red. Deathmate Red, and that was being done by our friend Rob Liefeld. And not a foot in the entire issue. Well, I don't know. I have not, not a red. single so, foot in the entire so issue. So here was the problem. By the time Deathmate Red finally came out, the collectors no longer cared.
2: I'm pretty right. certain I have that book. I, I have several I think of this. I, I, think of I, them, I, yeah. I think I have the. I think I might have that entire series. I don't right. remember anything about it, so it must not have been very good. Yes. But but the reason we mentioned Deathmate as being one of
0: the, the main nails in the coffin, not only did it suffer from lateness, but the writers for both companies had no real familiarity with each other's characters. Right. So you got a lot of character derailment in the very issues they were writing. Right. So and that led to one of the big crash crashes is that the nineties becomes the era of the super artist, with the stories being crap.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, there oh, yeah. Was so, yeah they were, uh, there was a lot of books out there that were really, really pretty, but weren't readable. Exactly. And, and sadly, many of them came from Image,
0: which I would have to hand it to Image. They'd done a 180. I love Image books now, but they back a in the lot 90s, of stuff.
2: I wouldn't touch them. Right. Yeah. I have to admit that I had a guilty pleasure for Spawn back in the day.
0: When it first launched, sure, it was it was yeah. awesome. And then he immediately said, Well, I'm going to give this magical character a shotgun. Pfft, okay, well now you just reduce him to another punisher. Yeah. yeah. And of course Savage Dragon was pretty good. Yeah. Right. And that's give Eric Larson his props. Still out there writing and illustrating Savage Dragon. He's up to two hundred and forty some issues out there. It's I gotta think. be one of the longest running, you know, non Marvel sure. or DC it books is, out it there.
2: It is Image's long and running book and he is day true to his vision. Yeah, because if I'm not mistaken, the character's aging in real time and everything, too.
0: I believe so. I don't know. Yeah. It, it could be. But, so, yes, when you talk about the whole death of Superman, yes, it was one of the catalysts for the crash. But remember, Deathmate is the one that starts putting a nail in a coffin. Oh, no doubt. For, for the comic industry.
1: Well, I thought it was like in the, like, 86 when um, uh, The Watchmen and uh, Dark Knight Returns came out. Right, where it kind of re-envisioned these characters it did. as uh, more grisly and more adult um uh with more- c- content like that, and that it, gr- it got a lot of attention, even mainstream attention oh absolutely you know, and by the time- it, uh, the nineties came around, that's when um um the value of those golden age books was being covered in news stories and stuff like that, and that's when the
2: speculators started coming in and so I actually have an, a little bit of an article here about some of the uh, some of the some of those golden age books here. Yeah. Since you brought it up, um, and I'm reading this directly from the internet from a place called ComicBook.com. In 1974, you can buy an average copy of Action Comics Number One, the first appearance of Superman, for about $400. Can you imagine that? <laughs> by 1984, that comic was about $5,000. This yes. was real money. And by the end of the decade, comic sales at auction houses such as Christie's or S- Sotheby's were. So impressive, the New York Times would take note, for instance, Detective Comics 27, the first appearance of Batman, sold for a record breaking $55,000 in December 1991. Which is crazy low by today's standards. Yeah, it fetches six figures now, it's not seven, right? The the Times was there again a few months later when a copy of Action Comics 1 shattered that record, selling for (laughs) $82,500. Oh my God! (laughs) I mean, that's a lot of money, but by today's standards, that's That's nothing. That's a $3 million book these days. i
0: tell you what. If you really want to start crying in your beer... And when you read some of the 80s comics for, like, Marvel and DC, and you see that two-page ad by Mile High Comics. And, oh, and yeah. oh, yeah. And you see some of the prices for their books, and they're all under three figures. And you're like, yeah. oh, my God. I could have had a Fantastic Four number four yeah. for, a, you know,
2: 150 bucks. I remember back in the day thinking, <laughs> yeah. thinking, man, I'm going to save my allowance and just buy this X-Men right. number one. And, like, I'm going to start in January, and by November, I'll be able to have it. And I never yeah. yeah. could do and it. I, and, I'm, and my it. God, I wish I'd done that. And now. I'm yeah, telling right.
0: you. When you look at those prices and those back issues, you're thinking, "Wow, what kind of a stupid kid was I? Why wasn't I buying these things?" Yeah. And then you start remembering that uh, minimum wage was two, yeah. $2. seventy five or something like that. Yeah. And the reason you didn't buy them was because you didn't have the money. Yeah, yeah I know. Back when I, when
2: I first got my first job in ninety uh, five, minimum wage was four twenty five. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But
0: so when we go back to the market crash, and this one actually surprised me as being one of the main catalysts, but now that I think about it, I, I can see why it was a factor. So nowadays we know that the distributor for comic books is is diamond. Yes. back in the day it used to be diamond and, and capital. But there was a brief moment there when Marvel decided they were going to do in their own distribution. So they bought the um, heroes world, and so they started doing their own attempt at self-distribution, which would have been fine, except for the fact that they really screwed it up. Uh, there, was, there were stores who didn't get their shipments at all, got half their shipments. And when any of them tried to call Marvel Heroes World to find out where their comics were, their phone lines crashed oh, because they couldn't support the incoming the, the calls. Volume, yeah. So imagine if you were, here you are, a direct market store. And you've got all your customers in there yelling because you don't have a single Marvel comic for that week. And this goes on for weeks Yeah, um, and about buries it. And part of the uh, the thing that actually almost killed the market, and this is the one that today just it boggles my mind. And Thomas, I guarantee you probably didn't even see this one. Or if you did, you like me, just sat back for a minute and went, huh, the expansion of the direct market stores. So in the late 80s, early 90s, you didn't have that many comic book stores. So what happens is Diamond and Capital start making it a little bit easier to get um, discounts on comic books. So they give you a deeper discount than if you go to buy it, say, from 7-Eleven or your grocery store or what have you. Right. And it's, it's such a deep discount that, and this is a, an astonishing figure that I've read here, the comic books sold through the direct market jumped from 6% in 1978 to 70% by 1992. That's that means over half the comic book sales are coming from the direct market, which sounds good. But then you have to remember what does that mean? Oh, pretty close to two thirds. <laughs> it means you had a lot of inexperienced comic shop owners who thought this is a business going to get rich on. Yeah. And so you had guys opening stores who were saying, "Well, how many copies of this week's of this month's Superman do yeah, I want?" Guessing well, how well, many they're going to need. Well, get yeah. two hundred. Superman's a popular character. You know, everybody knows him. He's known worldwide. Yeah, sure, but that doesn't mean there's (coughs) 200 people going to buy it. And then you see Avengers. Well, the only characters in there that I really know are Captain America and Iron Man, all the rest of them are are B tier characters, so only over 20 of that. Well, yeah, they may be comprised of B tier characters, but they're an A level team when you have them all together.
2: No no doubt. Yeah, I had a conversation with someone about that a, a while back when we were talking about X Men with Nightcrawler in there, and someone said, someone was talking about Nightcrawler about him being like a B or a C list character I was like well that may be true but he's an A list X-Man
0: and and it's the same thing so that was the direct market boom because since Diamond and Capital made it so cheap for them to buy comics and keep in mind, they couldn't return, and they, they right. were stuck with them. That's why they were getting it so cheap. You had all these people opening opening shops, not really knowing how to run a comic book yeah.
2: store. And uh, or, misordering. Right. Yeah. Well, and some, one of the things, too, I mean, that's still a, a thing that we need these days is to be able to get comic books at Seven Elevens. 11s uh,
0: Well, that's, yeah. that's part of the whole DC thing they're doing with Walmart now with the, the Teen Titans and the the Superman and the Batman, the whole giant size that Walmart's doing. That is that is DC. Testing the markets for a, a, a market outside of the local comic shop.
2: Right. Well, and the reason I bring up 7-Eleven is because, you well, know that's where I bought all my that's comics. That's where so. I grew up doing it. Right. Comic so comics. that's where I bought my comics.
0: Right. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's two of the big things
2: for the, the market crash of
0: the 90s that when I was doing this research for this tonight's episode, I just kind of sat back and went, I didn't know that. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. The, the printers basically used to eat the cost of what didn't sell. Because you know the the people at the comic book shops or whatever, they would uh, they could return what they didn't sell for right. for credit or something like that. And so it was basically the printers uh, shifting the the people who need to eat it over to
0: the local comic book exactly. the retailer, basically. Right. And and so also part of the the boom too. And and I know all th- all three of us saw this back in the day because you have so many people now buying comics because they think it's a good investment. The editorial control, especially at Marvel, shifted from the actual writers and editors to the marketing department, mm-hmm. which is why we get things like Heroes Reborn and Onslaught.
2: Heroes Reborn with Captain America and his man boobs. Right. <laughs> Thank and you, And no I feet. Thought. But no feet and man boobs. If you
0: look at both of those series, and you can see it now when you walk into any thrift store, those series were made for the toys, for cross-marketing. Right.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and don't forget about the 90s. Everything was extreme. <laughs> right, exactly. Extreme this, extreme X-Men, extreme well, Avengers. Extreme. Yeah,
1: we started talking about like doing this. You gave it the notes. It's like this is where we're going to talk about those 90s comic books. I just started thinking about all the different types of <coughs> covers there were. I had a force beam cover. It was like just a whole, hole in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had one with Wolverine's claws that
2: scratched through the cover. Oh, yeah, yeah. those, like, die-cut yeah. covers yeah, and stuff like that. Well, there's covers. hologram
0: one, covers. There's one out there where the, uh, I guess the character's kind of a hardcore, like, almost like Bloodshot or, or Punisher. It's, it's a little marketing again because it has a bullet hole in the book.
2: Yeah, that's what I was was
1: mentioning. The Protectors, I think.
2: Is it The Protectors? Yeah. I think about 10 years, speaking of hologram covers, about 10 years ago, I was in a comic shop buying my regular comics. And I don't even remember which one it was. But there was a new comic out that had a hologram on the cover. And I was like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. No. Don't do that. We tried that once. It didn't work. No, 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 no. Do not bring this back. And the reason why, you know, we all look so –
1: with so much – disdain at the 90s comic books is because you're really just buying the cover yeah. you know that's all that they were trying to do is make the cover look like it's or make it look like it's a number one issue or it's a special collectible issue you know and so and people were buying like multiple copies and so and a lot of people were doing that and right. so ev- and it- now everyone has multiple copies of those hologram covers those die cut covers that covered with the force beam in it a special bag with a special trading card stuffed inside
2: yeah all those x-force yeah. number ones that are bagged exactly all those it's, X-Men number ones.
1: And so, I mean, now every, there's a billion of them, and they're worthless.
0: Well, well, hang on. I was just about to say, since Thomas brought it up, uh, I just made a purchase the other day. I have 500 copies of X-Men number one coming to me. I bought them at 20 cents apiece. I'm going to take the two best ones out of there. I'm going to grade them, and then I'm going to bonfire the rest of them. Yes, let's do this.
2: Let's do this.
0: (laughs) So all of you listeners out there, you know how many copies of X-Men 1 got printed. You are now going to join our holy crusade to actually make this book valuable. (laughs) Keep your own copy. Don't sacrifice it, but find any and every copy you can. Email us at lostinthelongbox at gmail.com. We will give you an address to ship it, and then we will have a big bonfire here in Virginia. Everybody's welcome. <laughs> we'll, we'll drink, we'll party, and we'll watch those suckers go up in flames.
2: Just make sure you have a really, really, right. really and large really, piece of land to do it because and that's and a have lot. Have a really of nice of copy comics.
0: kept back for yourself so that when we get down to only two hundred left in the world, we've all suddenly got a hot book. Well, if we that's succeed right. with this plan,
2: I think I'll be fine. Right. Yeah. Now you watch next week, we're going to get like 50 emails. Hey,
0: man, I can get my hands on 20,000 of them. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to like grow
2: like those stereotypical 1920s ra- railroad robber mustaches that we can twirl. We should make a hashtag. So 90 whiplash. H- hashtag <laughs> burn X-Men number one. <coughs> there you go. There well, we
0: go. We'll make it, we'll make it uh, Two hashtag. Hashtag burn X-Men number one followed by hashtag make it valuable. <laughs> there you go.
2: Oh, my goodness.
0: But – When we're talking about the market crash, Thomas, you actually did mention this too. uh, Marvel's bankruptcy in 97 is a big key to that, which ironically came about because of Ron Perlman, who bought junk bonds to fund the company and then almost killed it. Yeah. Which is why we now have Spider-Man at Sony and X-Men at Fox, because when Marvel needed to raise capital, they sold two of their more popular properties to do so.
2: Yeah, well, and it wasn't just them. I mean, Daredevil was was uh, optioned out, as was Ghost Rider. You know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I picked some of the worst movies out there, but they were optioned out too, and they made some money.
0: So all of this during the market crash, something started happening. Ultimately, all the stores started realizing that the reason all those Silver Age and Golden Age books were valuable is because they were rare. Yeah, they are hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't that many out there. And like, of course, I'm going to pay you $600 for a Detective 102 because there's only 30,000 copies of it left and only 5,000 of them still have the cover.
2: <laughs> right. Well, it's like when we talked about you know what the books you need to calm down on, we talked about New Mutants 98. How many thousands of high-grade copies are out there you know, that we know about? Right. And, and again, like you said, Death of Superman is one of the ones where – Everybody was buying it because they thought they had their investment going on here. Oh, yeah. I mean, what did, what did it go to, five printings, six printings that sold so many? Yeah. Five, five or six, yes. And I, I, and
0: I can tell you, um, part of what, saved the, the whole reason the company the, or the industry did not totally just go go under, Dark Horse had all their licensed properties. So yes. that kept them afloat. D.C. was owned by Time Warner. They've been owned by Time Warner since the late 60s, early 70s. And even if they were losing money, that was a tax (laughs) Uh, write-off.
2: Right, they were going to be fine.
0: Right. And then Marvel did the only thing Marvel could, sold their properties for movies. Right. So here's where we got some interesting facts here, Thomas. And like I said, in, in researching the market crash of the 90s, I found some similarities between then and now that has literally just made me start shuddering, going, Whoo. So, some of the things that, <coughs> sorry, guys. Some of the things that was going on during this whole market crash, and we'll talk about each one of these bullet points as we go. Some of them I think we've already hit on, but it's, it's kind of nice to just drag these back home. One of the ones, series being renumbered with number one issues. Yeah. Oh, hmm. yeah. Let's think about this. Oh, you never see that in this day and age who's, at all. Who's been doing that really hard? Now um you know, no one. Marvel and DC are both really bad about it, but I yeah. will give DC props. They have calmed down. Yeah. And that's all because uh, let's face it, Rebirth took off and, and now Jim Lee and Dan DiDito are like and Jeff Johns are like, Don't touch it, leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> it's working.
2: <laughs> right, right. I mean what is it? Captain Marvel's now on her third series, fourth series? Right. Wow. Since like two thousand ten.
0: So you have that one. What's the other one here? Let me scroll back through my bullet points. I, as you can tell, I obviously have uh, little notes and things that I'm going back and forth with here. Um, here's a goodie. I, um, issues printed with multiple variant covers. Oh, yeah. Which means that the completists one. end up having to buy multiple copies of a single issue because they got to have them all. And you know what? While, while we're on that, <coughs> I'm going to talk about something here, and I have to be... I had to be extremely careful how I word this because this involves a friend of mine who might be listening. But unfortunately, I, I have to call out because I think they fell prey to this. There's a comic that came out recently, and it had a variant cover. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to buy multiple copies of this variant cover. And when they told me this, they were upset when I got them back because they had that familiar corner nick from the whole printing thing with the, the dull blades creating that nicks and what have you. But I was sitting there, meanwhile, still back playing going, why were you buying this many copies of that book? Because I started racking my brain. There's nothing special going on in this issue. It was just a Stanley Art Drum now cover. And they specifically said, well, because they wanted to have Art Drum sign it, get them graded, and turn around and sell them. And I just shook my head. and like, you are part of the exact same problem you just said you weren't of. You, know, you, you said you weren't a speculator, but that is a speculator move right there.
2: Yeah, and you know, I think people have to understand something too with, with the uh, autographs too. Every time one of, these fan, one of these writers or artists goes to a convention and signs books – the value of their autograph goes down. Oh yeah, exactly. So you you, it's you just have like to printing more that, comic books, right? You know, it the, the value of their autograph goes down because more of them are being released into the wild. Right. So it it's one of those things. If you really want someone's autograph, you probably should just get it for yourself and not yeah. worry about reselling it because you know that's a dick move. Yeah, and, 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 and well, that's one of the big reasons why— you know, How do you really feel about it, Matt? <laughs> and, and you know, it's one of the big reasons why, you know, creators, artists, creators, you know, sports figures all charge for their autograph because so many people turn around and sell it. And, yeah. I mean, no matter how much money you're making, you know, you don't want anyone to make money off you. Yeah, I'd rather just have one for myself. Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to get an autograph, I'm going to have—I have Stan Lee's autograph. I yeah. got it for myself. I'll never, I'll never, never sell, sell it. it. Yeah, yeah, I'm never going to sell it. I have Mickey Mantle's autograph. Nice. I to sell oh that. is that on a card I'm assuming no it's on a, a book of his called the Mick. oh um, yeah, yeah yeah um it was, it was my father's you know he he gave it to me yeah for, <laughs> you know for the record my dad's still alive he just you know decided he wanted to go ahead and give it to me now so I I have it that's cool he has a book uh, autographed book by Ted Williams that he gave to my brother so oh cool so yeah wow <laughs> you know I also seem to remember
0: during this whole market crash before when it went boom, a lot of the smaller companies just folded or, or got bought out. And one that I that I keep thinking about is Malibu. Yes. Yeah. With the Ultraverse, mm-hmm. who Marvel immediately gobbled up because they wanted their color separation process. I think it was. I believe so. Yeah. And then immediately closed them. <laughs> Didn't got 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 ownership of them. Got all their characters. Took their color separation process for the printing, and then basically just closed them up and said, "Oh no, we don't want any of your characters either."
2: Well, oh, I wow. think there's something to do with the, the way that the contracts were written for those, for those characters where they'd have to pay royalties to the creators they, they, or something well, like remember. that if they tried to make the books these uh, days is why we haven't seen them back. I think I, I remember seeing it. that.
0: Right. Well, it was, they were just like Image and all the other independents whose big appeal to creators was that they owned the characters. Marvel and DC, and I think even to this day it's still true. You make a character Marvel and DC, once it gets printed, it's theirs, baby.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, at at this point, they kind of have to do that. They can't go back and do it another way because they've been doing it that way for so long. And and remember, they just
0: recently made a settlement with the heirs of Siegel and Schuster for Superman. Yeah. In fact, Mm -hmm. I think now when you open a Superman comic or any comic with Superman in it, it actually says – It even says – Printed with by an arrangement with the Siegel and Schuster families. Right. So, well, remember that long standing lawsuit that they had with uh,
2: the Siegel and Schuster family over Superboy. Right, right, exactly.
0: Oh, well, that's what almost happened because the Siegel and Schuster heirs were going, were threatening to take. Superman away from D.C., and D.C., said, well, what are we going to do? they like, well, we still own Superboy, and that was another fine line right. where I think the courts were starting to rule on D.C.'s side that, well, yes, they do own Superboy, so you can have Superman if it comes to that, but, well, remember, too, it was, um, even Siegel and Schuster were not getting fair compensation until the 70s when the movie was coming out, and Neil Adams found out that they were getting the shaft and went to D.C. and wonders that you need to make this right.
2: Oh, no doubt, no doubt. So,
0: but we, we digress.
2: Yeah, let's get back on track.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, mercy. Everybody, hold on. I hit something on my screen and a whole computer just went blah.
2: Well, okay, well, I think what we're getting to next, because I think we're on the same webpage here that we're looking at, is uh, issues sold pre-bagged in plastic. We're not on a webpage because I actually cut and paste it and put it on notes for easy reading so I don't have to
0: go hunting through the article. Ah. But yes, trading cards and, out, and bags and special covers and little toys and gimmicks and hologram covers, and I'm trying to think, what was the worst promotion I saw on a comic in the 90s? Oh, man. That's tough, because there's so many bad ones. Wasn't there one? I want to say there was one that tried to do the trading card bit and put a stick of gum in a bag with it. Oh! <laughs> I was like, no, that is just that's wrong on so many levels. Because wow. if I don't chew the gum, now I got all the confectionery sugar powder getting all yeah, over the oh comic. comic
2: book. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I remember one time we were at the uh, the the Califero County Fair up by my up by my dad's, and my cousin was up there. She was 17 years old at the time. She was born in 1987. I bought a pack of Topps baseball cards that still had the gum in it from 1987. Oh, yeah. And I handed it to her, the gum. I said, this gum is as old as you are. I dare you to chew it. Yeah. And she did. She did. I would do it. It, it kind of just dissolved in her mouth, she yeah. said. But, yeah, she chewed it.
0: <coughs> well, remember, too, one of the things when they sold the stuff pre-bagged, if you were, again, one of those speculator collectors, that meant you oh, would be buy buying two
2: because you had to rip one open to read it. Oh, and how many copies? What What, what is The Adventures of Superman? It's the first in, uh, uh, appearance of the Cyborg Superman. Well, that was the that one was bagged and unbagged, and I have like five copies. Well, of
0: Superman that. five, well, five no, copies because remember the the first four that come out, um, they did two, they did a regular cover and they did a die cut cover. Mm-hmm. You're thinking of Superman's Return when Adventures of Superman Five Hundred was in the white bag.
2: Yes, yes, that <laughs> one right there. I have like five copies of Adventures of Superman Five Hundred. I have like two bagged and like three non-bagged. Ugh. Yes, I <laughs> was one was of like, those uh... people. I was one of those people. Wow. I'm not anymore. I learned my lesson. But, you know. Yeah. I Plus, guess we
1: all
0: did. Another great one, too, here, and I had to stop and think back about this, and you got to send us article about the whole trading grands and a hollow full covers mm-hmm. when they thought uh, that a, a series needed to be boosted. I remember it got to the point where every week you walked in and there was some special cover, and I literally mean Every week, Marvel, oh, Marvel yeah. had like three or four special hologram prism covers, and I was like, "This is getting you know Ridiculous. crazy."
2: Because
0: yeah. I remember even asking, um, and this was one of uh, Ed Shops back in the day, "Is there a regular cover to this?" No. I'm like, oh, "Really?" So you mean I have to buy a five dollar comic for the title that I'm reading, yeah. and I'm not getting any option other than getting gouged for six bucks?
2: Yeah. I remember not too long ago, speaking of this, someone had a uh, one for up for sale. What was it? Amazing Spider-Man 375. It was like one of those gold foil Venom covers. They're saying super rare. I'm like, God, I hope so because I have five of them. Yeah, right? I, don't know how I, got <laughs> I was like, I don't know how I got five of them, but yeah, I, I do. I think I have one too. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, was, it was one of those ones where they were trying to you know make money off the the upcoming Venom movie. So all Venom books are trying to sell. There would be nothing that would make me happier than find out that was a super rare book and that I had five of them.
0: Yeah. I... I'm almost I really don't want to say this, but I'm really tempted to just put my Spider-Man 361 out there, the first Carnage, mm-hmm. <laughs> because now that Venom did better in the theater, and we know Carnage is going to be the the follow-up movie.
2: Right. I, I bet you that thing I could get bank. <laughs> I had that. I had that book at one point, and I think I know what happened to it. I sold a bunch of books back in the uh, back in the '90s at a yard sale, just in a long box, and I know that was one in there. Right. So, and, the, you know, ones that I thought weren't. Yeah, that were brand new. They weren't worth a lot. I was just trying to clear them out and get a little extra cash. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was in there.
0: So this other one, and this and this is the one where I just really started writing down some stuff, and my head was starting to hurt. Massive retooling of the comic series and shake-up storylines to generate more publicity. Yeah, killing Superman, breaking Batman's back. Yeah. Well, well here's the other one, too. And when they talk about retooling the characters— that was killing it in the 90s, but they're doing it now. So let's stop and think about this. Riri Williams, mm-hmm. Ironheart, which is basically another suit of Iron Man armor. Right. Um, how about uh, the infamous Dr. Doom, who becomes a version of Iron Man? So we're shaking up the characters there. We have traded Miss Marvel. Now, I shouldn't say this, but we traded Miss Marvel for a teenage Muslim girl, which I understand there's a market there and by all means please diversify get the that market that's not there but, but again yeah. you're taking a name of a familiar character and instead of making her own unique identity you're just slapping a familiar name on it yeah
2: i understand why they do it though you know the com- like you said comic books do need to be a little more diversified there's a lot of, there is a big market out there for for people that you know don't look like us, so to speak, right. you, know, you know there, you know there is a market that would you know want to read about a Muslim girl or you know a, a young African American superhero like uh, like Riri Williams, you know. So I understand why it's done. I mean, I I I do.
0: And believe, yeah, I do believe that you I should am, probably
2: come up with your original characters. I am all for it, but but I but I do understand why it's done. So I don't get mad about it. I mean, I get why you do it. Right. So now going through that. We know that in the 90s, that's what
0: happened. You know, death of Superman, breaking Bane's back, the, the Spider-Man clone saga, which almost yeah. killed Spider-Man. I mean, pfft. and then the Deathmate fiasco with Image and uh, Valiant. But let's take it to modern times, because we already know that. Let's see here. Let's 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 retrace here. Um, multiple covers in the 90s. Mm. Multiple covers now. Hmm. Constant renumbering and restarting the books in the 90s. Constant renumbering and restarting books today. There's two of the bullet points. We haven't gotten any of the special bags and sent stuff yet. At least I haven't seen one. Yeah, I haven't seen a special polybagged issue yet. Right. Um, retooling of the characters and, and rebooting, which we saw in the 90s. Now, here's where we get into it. DC Comics. There's really only two that kind of stuck out. New 52 and Rebirth. New 52 kind of didn't work. They realized, okay, we need to get back to basics. Rebirth came along, and Rebirth took a mixture of New 52 and some of the old stuff that they managed to chew horn back in, and it's working. Most everybody who's reading DC Rebirth said that's the best stuff DC's put out in years. I know there's a lot of people like me who almost dropped DC. You're right. You know, I was sticking through New 52. I wasn't loving it. There was some that was okay. When the rebirth got announced, I said, you know what? I think this is it. I'm just going to drop them. And then I got the actual DC Universe rebirth. And I was like, wow, the whole thing when you find um, Comedian's Button in the wall of the Batcave. That was, I was sold right there. Because they basically said, we are now going to take one of our greatest controversial stories and bring it into the mainstream. Right. Um, But now let's touch on Marvel. And, and this is real I have labeled them the major offender. So we had yeah <coughs> Excuse me heroes reborn That little incentive what they decided let's go ahead and take all our popular characters the Avengers Captain Marvel I'm um, sorry Captain America Spider-Man no Fantastic Four and Iron Man and shuffle them off to their own little universe Just came about after the onslaught and let's leave X-Men and Spider-Man and all the other guys over here Really? How's that going to work? Because they they literally relaunched those all with a number one. They ran for a year, and they realized <laughs> this doesn't work, and we got to bring them back because nobody likes us. So we had Heroes Reborn. And then we had Civil War. Civil War was the great one where Peter Parker revealed his identity, Aunt May got shot, and then we get the classic, I'm going to sell my soul to Mephisto, and we're going to muck up a bunch of Spider-Man history and infuriate a lot of readers, and people yeah. are dropping it. That led into this whole Dark Reign thing where suddenly Norman Norman Osborn and his little group of heroes turned or villains turned hero become the members of the Avengers. So you get the Dark Avengers and you get the new Avengers and they're all being run by Harry Osborn and his little group. They realize that's not quite working so then they do Siege which leads into the reboot of the Heroic Age. Where it's like, we need to get back to our basics. So now, we're getting the Avengers with the nice big banner, the Heroic Cage across the top of it. We're getting a new Avengers with the Heroic Cage. So Smells that, familiar, right? Right, exactly. It so, says, you know, what is old is new again. Then in 22, we get Marvel Now. New series and new creators for most of every title. Um, so it ran like over two years, but it went through like four phases. There was two all-new Marvel Nows and then Avengers Now. Mm -hmm. Where it was literally just, okay, we're going to bring you back all the new characters, we're going to put a new creative team on it, we're going to give you an all brand new number one. It's a great jump on point because their market research has shown (coughs) that people don't want to pick up Avengers 432 because they feel lost. So Avengers number one, I can do that because it's a brand new book, which means I don't have to worry what's gone before. There used to be a day when I picked up Avengers 432, if they mentioned a story I didn't know... There would be a little note from the editor that says, see Avengers, blah, blah. And you know what happened? Most of us went to our shop and asked the dealer, hey, do you have this issue of Avengers where they mention this? Right. Oh, yeah, sure. So it created a back issue market. You mm-hmm. effectively have killed that now for your, your comic shop. So, yeah, 2010, we get the Marvel Now initiative, followed up in 2015 by, and I am not kidding, all new, all different. And their books had that across the top. All new, all different. Oh, all new, all different X-Men. Yep. Okay. Yep, yep which followed up with um, the second Secret Wars, where they took everybody and put them all together. Although, I I will say that the storyline in New Avengers by John Hickman leading up to Secret Wars was phenomenal. It was fantastic. I recommend you picking up that trade paperback if you hadn't. But what they did with that was they basically wiped out the Marvel Ultimate Universe. So now the ultimate Spider-Man, Miles Morales, comes over. And then you now get... The Spider-Gwen character that had been done off on the side, it gets ported over. So they take everything from what they call the 616 universe, which I don't understand why their main universe is labeled that way. And they mix and mash all the other characters. So now we have one concise world. And that was in 2015. And then in 2016, and you're going to love this one, the initiative became Marvel Now 2.0. Oh, my God. And that's all I'm going to say about that one. Because, yes, they actually went with that.
2: Wow, that's, wow. Okay.
0: I, uh, and, Ollie, I remember seeing some of those books with Marvel Now 2.0 and thinking to myself,
2: run out of names, have you? <laughs> really right. scraping the bottom of the barrel, right? So, why Earth 616? This is what it says on our good friend, the World Wide Web. The writers needed a way to distinguish the Captain Britain that was from the regular universe in which most of the comics take place. They came up with the name Earth 616. The idea was to not place any specific importance on our Earth. It was just another Earth. So, they picked a the high number. So, in other words, they just randomly said, hey, we're going to use this number for the main Earth. Right. No other reason. And But yet, the Which Marvel... It's good enough for me. I guess so. The Marvel Now 2.0 is actually not their last reboot. Of in, course it It In
0: Marvel, in 2017, they started Marvel Legacy. And you want to take a guess what that is?
2: That's when they started doing the renumbering again, back to the original numbers exactly. as to what it would
0: be. So, you would have, say, Spider-Man number 10, and then a little blurb that would say 694. So that right. you knew that it was... 694 of the ongoing Spider-Man adventures, but it was issue 10 of the new Ugh, series. golly. Which, by the way, has already gone by the wayside.
2: I'm sure. It, it's oh, yeah, gone. that didn't last long.
0: Uh, what's funny about it, and and this is when you know your competitor is doing better than you, or at least have hit on the right thing, that was seen as a direct result of Mar- of DC's rebirth.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because they brought back some of their classic characters. They returned to the n- original numbering for action, the detective, which I applaud them for doing that. Because I think both of those books with New 52 got relaunched, right? You're yep. right.
2: They did. They went back to number one. I actually have an Action Comics number one from the New 52.
0: Yes. I'm, I used to have my detective, but oh, no. I'm thinking of uh, just before that when the Katie Kane Batwoman was running a detective. Yes, they did reboot it for New 52.
2: Yeah, I picked up my Action Comics number one for the New 52 solely so I could say I have a copy of Action Comics number one.
0: So here's here's my big concern with the whole status of the comic creation now of the industry people say we're not going to have another market crash because well we have more people now than we did
2: in the 90s when it happened and I'm like yeah that's more people to leave right you know and I I really think we're going to see it again I mean I don't think Marvel Marvel doesn't have anything to worry about their own by Disney DC doesn't have anything to worry about their own by Time Warner they're not going anywhere right exactly and you know as long as Marvel keeps putting out billion dollar movies they're certainly not going anywhere yeah but for the time I, being, right? But there, at some point, there is going to be a crash. People are going to get to the point where they're where they don't want forty-five issue number ones of Conan.
0: Well, and I think it's going to be the same result as the last time. The big companies that have carved out their little niche and and have their loyal readership, Marvel and DC, like I said, they're fine. Image, and boom, and, and Dark Horse. Well, let I me mean, back up. Image and Dark Horse. They're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, Boom and Dynamite would be the only two I would be kind of a little bit worried about. Maybe IDW. And IDW. But, and it's really bad because I think Boom and Dynamite are putting out some fantastic stuff. So I would love to see them not get affected. But a bunch of the other companies,
2: you guys are done. Valiant was already a casualty, so maybe right. they will be again.
0: Well, Valiant, Valiant also suffered from their own stupidity with the whole... Kicking Jim Shooter out the door and selling it to a claim. That was the beginning of the end for Valiant. Yeah. yeah. They, they shot themselves in the foot with that one. What the hell was that? Sorry, guys. <laughs> that was the ghost, Randy. Mm-hmm. The ghost. There's there's definitely something going on in here because I was hearing this weird noise and no one else heard it. So yeah. Um tell you what, listeners out there, we would love to hear what you think about where we're gonna head for this if it's gonna be another market crash, because Thomas and I and Madman, we're all seeing it coming and I think it's going to be even harder to come back from because the last one took what, fifteen years to maybe at re- least bounce yeah. from at least. So yeah. this this one could last a lot longer, and I mean, and it's the the problem is the comics are already running four, five, six dollars an issue now. When the market does crash and a lot of those companies go under, and then the ones that are left now have to r- raise the price of the books to eight or nine dollars just to make the ends
2: meet because you're now buying less product from them. It becomes a vicious cycle. Well, I mean, let's face it. Look at, you know, you were talking about earlier how most of the business at one point was due to direct shops the you know, and everything. There's no, I mean, they're struggling. You know, the local comic shops, for the most part, are struggling. Yes, every one of them are. Yeah. Well, I mean, less, I mean
0: I'm mean, i sure all three of us can remember this one. Back in the 90s, how many comic shops did we have here in Frenchburg at one time? At least three. Easily three, three to four yeah. of them. Three to four, yeah. And now we have who, I mean, if you count um, the guys down the road there from Ed, um, but it's not a dedicated shop. He's sharing space with another with another um, retailer. Right. So we'll go one and a half. One and a half. Um, and I just don't think our town is big enough to support two shops anymore.
2: No, it's not. And, and it's unfortunately,
0: not. I, I see who's going to win that battle. I hate to call it a battle, but that's what it boils down to, is I only think one shop's going to survive that when the market go kaboom again.
2: Yeah. And I, I do think it's coming. Oh, yeah. At some point, it's going to come. I, I I mean, like you said, all the signs are there from the 90s, and I it's, I, I see it happening. Yep. It's unfortunate, but I think it's going to happen.
0: So that's all we got for this week, guys. Um, so like I said, you should probably see last week's episode and this one pop up at the same time out there on iTunes and Google. Please drop us a line at lostinthelongbox at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at LostinAlongB1. And, of course, we also have um, our Facebook page. We'd love to see you there. Working on hopefully getting something set up on YouTube, so we'll start posting some uh, new comic book day videos to show you what's out there on the stands. Um, Until next time, we're going to be down here wondering, is Thor able to pull Excalibur from the stone and vice versa? Can King Arthur lift Mjolnir?
2: Why? Because we're lost in a long box. Yes, we are. So lost. So lost.